All right, every grand epic, every grand epic has a supreme leader antagonist that has set himself up or herself up, but usually it's guys, uh, set himself up as the supreme leader. And he does this with, it, with power. He, does, he, he sets himself up with it, with, 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 as the supreme leader in power. So a little bit of, a little bit of uh, all skate here, a little bit of all skate here. Uh, let's talk about some of these grand epic antagonists that we have in our, uh, in our fictional characters, right? That's, that's, the, that's the not true one, right? That's the, that, yeah, right? Fictional is not true, yeah? Yeah, uh, and so I always get them mixed up. I can never, never remember which one's which. So, so talk to me. What, what are some of the supreme leaders that have set themselves up in our fictional stories, gr- fictional grand epics? Adam Cutler. Adam Cutler? Who's that? Ah, okay, all right, all right. I haven't seen that one, but Jack talked about that a couple weeks ago in his podcast, so on the DC podcast. So uh, that's actually more like a month ago. I'm still behind, so... Yeah, Voldemort, right? Yeah, Voldemort, you know? Yeah, yeah, those of you Harry Potter people. Uh, so you shameful, shameful Christians, you Harry Potter. <laughs> I know, witchcraft, right? Witchcraft. Huh? Dark Sea? Who's that? Oh, all right, all right. Oh, dear. DC, DC's ripping off of Star Wars and uh, Marvel um, um, universes, but yeah. Oh, he was first? Okay, all right. What else? Who else? Okay, the Emperor from Star Wars. Palpatine, there you go, there you go. I was expecting the first one first, which is Darth, Darth Vader, right? Darth Vader... Uh, is the one that we normally gravitate to it, but there's actually a supreme leader behind Darth Vader in the story, which helps make Star Wars even more grand of an epic is, is that interplay right there. Uh, Courtney? Shrek, huh? Wow, yeah. Woo, yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are, yeah, Phil, you didn't think about that one. Yeah, <laughs> to, to pull up. What are, I, I think you had a couple more, right? Throw, throw a couple more that you thought of. Yeah, snow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Were you testifying there? Was that, or did you have one? That's that's Lord of the Rings, right? Okay. What's his name? I don't know. Huh? Yeah, him. That sounds like what you do at night, PA. Snore on and on and on. All right. So nobody, nobody's with me there. So it's like, gosh, man, dude. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for making me feel better. <laughs> yeah, tough crowd today. Got it. Duly noted. All right, so we've got these supreme leaders and these big, big grand epics. But in every one of these stories, I, th- I think, probably especially Shrek, the, the, our hero, our hero, our protagonist did not have what it took at the start when we are introduced to our hero. They didn't have what it took in order to defeat uh, our, our antagonist, our supreme leader. They had to go through a journey, but they were never going to, they were never going to defeat the supreme leader at his own game, and that game was power. They could never overpower the supreme leader. It wasn't going to work. If you know it or not, we are in a cosmic epic right now. It is a grand epic, but it is a cosmic epic. 
We have, there is a supreme leader out there. Now, I want to be careful. This is a cap, lowercase, I'm sorry, lowercase s, lowercase l, supreme leader that has set himself up in power. His name is Satan. And maybe, maybe you're like, ah, oh, see, that's where you lost me. Come on, man. Like, really, you believe this stuff? Look, look, if you're a skeptic of church, if you're skeptic of Jesus, if you're skeptic of this whole thing, I'm so glad you're here. Here's where we just need to agree on this, that there is some force out there that is causing people to do evil. All right? That's where we just need to agree on right now. And this guy has set himself up in power. He's tried to bow his chest up to God and say, I'm going to be God. And the thing is, is he's, he's taken every single one of us with us, with him, in the rebellion towards God. Because at the end of the day, every single one of us has done something, quite frankly, we probably didn't want to do, but in the moment we did. And then after the moment, we're like, why did we do that? See, that's what, this is the cosmic epic that we're in. See, and we are doomed if we don't have a hero. We're doomed if we don't have somebody that is going to defeat this supreme leader that set himself up in power because he's more powerful than what we are. So we, you came to a church service this morning. Spoiler alert, this, supreme, this hero is Jesus, right? Okay, Sunday school answer. All right, this is, this is, this, it, we came to a church service. I want to give the spoiler. It's Jesus, but how did he do it? This series is about how he became and the, and the proof that he gave that he is the capital S, capital L, supreme leader. We're going to start off, start off today in Colossians chapter 1. A guy by the name of Paul wrote uh, this letter to a group of Christians in, in, in a town called Colossae. You can follow along with all, uh, in, in our uh, Bible app event with the instructions up on the screen. If you want to come back to our uh, Bible study guide, that's, that's, if you scroll down in this, there's a Bible study guide with some extra verses. If you want to come back to that, you've got to save this event in the Bible app. But Paul, <clears throat> he started off not liking Jesus. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians. He killed them. That's how he started off. But a few decades later, he writes this about Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the image. He's the icon. He is the exact, authentic image of the invisible God. If we want to know who the invisible God is, we take a look at Jesus through the Gospels and what other people wrote about him in the Bible. I brought in some jerseys. Actually, Phil brought in this jersey. This is not a garage sale, and no, this isn't your consolation prize for coming back, Brad. I'm sorry, but you just have to, you know, haggle with Phil over this. He brought in his authentic Kelsey jersey, all right? So if, if Kelsey came up to Phil on a game day and said, hey man, I lost my jersey, can I have yours? He can wear this in a game. And if I won't find him, it'll look, it'll look just like the rest of the jerseys. It is authentic. This is the idea of image of the invisible God. We have God, and then we have Jesus, who is the same exact representation of God, just in a different body. All right? 
And then Paul goes on. He is the firstborn over all creation. See, some people get tripped up with the word firstborn. They go, see, Jesus is created by God. He is not eternal because he's the firstborn. If you're born, you're created. No. A better word is prototype. He is the prototype over all creation. See, Jesus is God in flesh for all eternity, not just the 33 years that he lived on this earth. He is God in flesh for all eternity, all eternity past, all eternity future. So what this is talking about, I've got one of my jerseys in, all right? We're cheaper than Phil. And this is a little old. We're talking about Trent Green here, all right? So, but if Trent Green came up to me back in the day and said, I need your jersey, he would get fined for wearing this by the NFL because this is not an authentic jersey. It is a replica in the image of the prototype jersey, this one. And we are made in the image of God, of Jesus, from the prototype who is Jesus. This is what this is talking about, that he is the first prototype. And he was there from all eternity. And he has a relationship with creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by all things, by him, all things hold together. There's a five-fold relationship that he has with, with, with creation. First of all, first of all, the one I'm going to hit on is that he is before all things. See, this, this shows that he is eternal. Because if you are before all things that are created, you are before time. And if you are before time, you have always been. You're like, what? Exactly. It's supposed to be a what? But he's also, he's also the creator of creation. Because through him, all things are created. He is the Word. And the Word created everything. God spoke the Word. And it created. And all things were created through him. He is the filter by which all things were created. I think that has something to do with this whole prototype thing. But also, all things have been created for him. For his glory. You're like, see, that, that's another area that I get tripped up in. I'm like, if everything is for him and for his glory, isn't that egotistical? And we'll get more to why here towards the end. But even if we go to our deathbed saying, I will never glorify Jesus, we are still going to glorify Jesus because our unrighteousness still highlights his perfect righteousness. And if we trust in Jesus and he gives us his righteousness, our righteousness that he gives us highlights his righteousness. Every single one of us will glorify and exalt Jesus one way or another. And then lastly, the most mind-blowing of them all, all things hold together by him. At a, at, a, at a molecular level, at a molecular level, you are held together by Jesus. We exist because Jesus exists. And you're like, see, that's circular reasoning. There's nothing that can prove that. I know. I know. And this is why the Bible also says is that you have to believe by faith that God created the earth. Now, faith isn't blind. That's a whole other sermon. But there's something deep down inside of us that wants there to be something bigger than us that we can worship. But at a cosmic level, he holds the galaxies together all while listening to you pray to him. Isn't that crazy? See, Jesus proves 
that he could defeat Satan at his own power game. But the grand epic says he can't do that. Because the grand epic says he has to be, as the hero, he has to defeat our antagonist a different way. He could flick Satan and take care of it. He has the power to as the creator. In the next two weeks in this series, we will take a look at examples of how he proved he was powerful over creation. But that's not how he chose to win. Colossians 18. Jesus is also the head of the body, the church. See, we did not come to a church today. We didn't come to a church. We came to a building that our people have decided to stay out of the elements while we worship in. That's what we came to, just a building. I hope people who, who are among us are both believers and non-believers. And I hope as we move forward, more and more non-believers come and join us so that they can see who Jesus is. Because the church or this building has no bearing on who comes here. The church are the people who have faith in Jesus. Who have had his sins, their sins removed by him. And so as the head of the church, he has to prove that he is powerful over sin. And how did he do this? He is the beginning, the firstborn, same word, prototype from the dead. He's the prototype from the dead. He resurrected himself from the dead. And he's the prototype. And being the prototype means that there are more to follow him. Everybody that has faith in Jesus will be resurrected. And when they have faith in Jesus, they are resurrected to life. Feel dead today? Deep down inside, you feel dead today? That is why he resurrected. He is the prototype from the dead. There is a study guide, there's a, a, a verse in the study guide that, that, that talks more in depth about this from, from Romans. And he rose from the dead so that you might have come to have first place in everything. You notice something? Paul didn't decide to say he created it all, so therefore he has first place in everything, although it fits. He chose that sentence with the resurrection from the dead. If you predict your own resurrection and you pull it off, you get to be first in everything. Right? If you're that much of a bad mama jama that, that you can do that, you get to be first place in everything. But see, in order to resurrect, you have to be dead, right? Kind of a prerequisite for resurrecting. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And again, another statement is saying he's exactly the same as the invisible God. But this is an important phrase. We'll get back to this phrase. And through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through, blood, through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. He died because he went to the cross and shed his blood. There's a jersey up here that I haven't talked about yet. This is called a knockoff jersey. All right, number one, it's got my name on the back. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I was not part of the NFL. Okay? 
putting out the, I was not the liquored up kicker. I was not. There's nothing about the Chiefs on here. It just is the Chiefs' colors. It's a knockoff jersey. See, this is the same as Satan. He's a knockoff God. He placed himself, he thought, on the throne of God. And he has convinced every single one of God's image to break the image of God inside of us and join his team. Join his rebellion. And in order to defeat this power, we have to have somebody in our place to defeat death. In comes the authentic jersey. Only the one that's authentic, authentically God, can break that power because he has never sinned. And that one died, shed his blood to break the power. And now when we trust in Jesus, we are a rebellion to the rebellion. But is it a different rebellion? It is not one that is, that is through power and through overpowering power. See, Jesus won not by overpowering Satan, although he could have. He won how every single one of our heroes in these epics that we talked about earlier won through trials and temptation. Luke Skywalker, right? He had to go through trials and temptation to be able to defeat the power of the dark side. He couldn't overpower the power of the dark side. He went through trials and difficulty. He had to go through training. And he had to go through temptation and defeat the temptation in order to defeat the dark side. Same thing with Jesus. He went through trials, and he went through temptation, and he went through death in order to defeat the power of the dark side that lures us to the rebellion and captured us for the rebellion. And in order to free us to be part of the rebellion of the rebellion. But it's not about getting a new supreme leader that will, that will lord it over us. Because we see that too when it comes to being skeptical about God of, of going, okay, He demands worship. Isn't that egotistical? Yes, if it were us. It was. It would be. But see, when God frees us, it is also about what we get back because we are in the rebellion of the rebellion. Paul in a letter to the church in Ephesus, different church, wrote this. For this reason I kneel before the Father. This is a prayer. And I believe that this is a prayer not only for this church, but for every church and every Christian moving forward. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He, God, may strengthen you with power through His Spirit, 
the third of the authentic jerseys that we have called the Trinity through the Spirit in your inner being. See, God wants to strengthen you. That inner being that's weak, that inner being that can't overcome, that inner being that is dead, God wants to strengthen you through His Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus. See, this is where we get the phrase of asking Jesus into your heart. If you think that has always been weird, it is. That phrase is weird. Asking Jesus into our heart. What are you talking about? Some dude's going to come live in my heart? What are you talking about? Is this like little sweet coming in and living in my heart? No, please, please, no. You're with me, PA. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. But think about this. God himself wants to dwell in us. We were part of the rebellion. He doesn't just save us to go, eh, that's good enough. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to live in us. He wants to dwell with us. And here, here is what this rebellion is all about. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. This rebellion. The rebellion of the rebellion isn't fought with weapons, isn't fought with power. It is fought with love. If you wonder why, on Facebook, Twitter, I don't rail on our culture, this is why. There are way too many pastors, way too many people in leadership, in the, in the Christian world today, who stand on a platform of power and decide to flaunt it around as if they really have it instead of love. And it's driving me absolutely insane. This is a battle fought with love. Not ooey-gooey feeling for each other but sacrifice, because love is sacrifice. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We've heard this phrase before, right? But we heard it about Jesus, that God was pleased to have all of who he is be filled into Jesus. And now we see Paul saying that God is also pleased to have all of who he is filled into us. Look, we've got the Spirit, the Son, and the Father all saying, I want to dwell within you. Look, this is a replica jersey. This is powerless. This can't even get you in the game. But if Trent Green had it on, it would be filled with the power of Trent Green and the skills of Trent Green and the talents of Trent Green. We're not talking about an NFL superstar that has lost a step. We're talking about the eternal God who always is on his throne that says he wants to live and dwell inside of you. And through that, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work 
within us. Because we are filled with God, immeasurably more becomes possible. Becomes possible. Immeasurably more becomes possible because we are filled with God. This is what we're looking at this series. How Jesus has proved himself two weeks through through power over creation and then the last four weeks of power over sin. But also how he wants to do immeasurably more in our life through each one of these next remaining six weeks. And all that we have to do to find immeasurably more is commit to Jesus. That's it. The reason why we gravitate towards epics like Star Wars is because God has put it in our hearts to recognize a grand epic when we see one. And if you overlay Star Wars over the gospel, it matches. I know I'm not supposed to say that as a pastor, you know, like the force be with you and everything. All right, if you really want scandalous, if you lay over Harry Potter to the gospel, it matches. It matches. Story point for story point. Why? Because God put that in our hearts to recognize it. So that when we read and see his cosmic epic, we go, what? What is this? You're telling me that he didn't defeat Satan by power. He defeated him by trials and temptations. All to give me immeasurably more? What? We see that through committing to Jesus. Maybe this morning you're still skeptical. Look, that's okay. From the standpoint of, we want to answer your questions. We want you to take you the next step. I, we just want you to come back for seven weeks. Next six weeks. You've, you've got one. Check one, okay? So six more weeks. Just come back to see how Jesus has proved he is over creation and over sin and how he wants to do, a, do immeasurably more through each one. Some of you, maybe because you've once committed, now you're ready to come back, or you've never committed before, but through whatever you're saying, I'm ready. I see it. I want it. Commit to Jesus. The prayer is simple. Jesus, I see you as supreme leader, capital S, capital L, supreme leader. And I want you to defeat sin for me. I commit to you. You don't have to know what it means because I don't know fully what that means. We're all learning what commit to Jesus means for every single one of us. It's a journey. And for those of you like, ah, that happened 10 years, 20 years, whatever years ago, I committed to Jesus. It is a brand new commitment every single day because he wants to do immeasurably more in your life every single day. I ask every single one of us, including me, to pray a simple prayer, a simple question. God, what is my immeasurably more? What are you trying to do inside of me that is immeasurably more? Over the course of these next six weeks, God, what do you want to do that is immeasurably more in my life? Maybe it's a porn addiction that you just can't shake. Maybe it's a substance addiction you just can't shake. Maybe it's pills. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it is sex. You just can't shake it. Maybe it's gossip, anger, a relationship that's broken that you need God to do immeasurably more in. 
Maybe it's a mission that He has put on your heart, laid on your heart. You don't know how He's going to do this. You need a God that does immeasurably more to be able to do this, and you just don't know the next step. Seven weeks is not a lifetime. But over the course of seven weeks, you know what we can train ourselves to do? Look for immeasurably more. Look for immeasurably more. And ask God a simple question. What is my immeasurably more? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for the death that you died so that immeasurably more is even possible. Help us. As we as a church, as individuals, see you do immeasurably more that affects us as a collective body. Help us. In your name we pray. Amen. As we sing about this God that does immeasurably more, there will be people around. If you need to talk to them about committing to Jesus, if you, if you want to see the next step or pray about the next step or pray about the immeasurably more with somebody, there will be people around for you to pray with them. Otherwise, worship the one who died so that immeasurably more is possible.